Welcome back to one of the newest sports podcasts out there, After the Buzzer. Uh, I'm Jackson. I've got David with me here again today. What's going on? So, uh, a lot like last week, both Rizzo and Whalen could not make it. Whalen dealing with uh, some... Sickness. Sickness, and Rizzo had family commitments, so... Italian dinner. <laughs> so, we're going we're gonna to have to you know, hold the ship together another week. You know, should be good. Um, but... A big week in sports, uh, week 12 in football, um, you know, a lot of new stuff in hockey, um, MLB, college football, NCAA basketball. We're going to touch on all of it today here in this episode. And to start it off, um, our first talking point of the day is going to be NFL referees and calls and going off of calls, specifically pass interference, because there's been a lot of... Um, up in people up in arms about it this so far this year, you know a lot of things that people necessarily um haven't liked um you know you can talk about Saints fans going back from last year, you know the infamous n f c championship you know that's really where it all started with the past interference i mean I mean that's pretty much why they made the changes or tried to make the changes they did in the off season, but uh when it comes down to it, it hasn't really been working. Yeah, so if you haven't heard about it, the NFL made it available, made the option available in the off season for coaches to be able to challenge pass interference calls, whether it's um, plays that were not called for a pass interference and they think it should have been, or plays that were called for a pass interference and they don't think it should have been. Um, but, you know, so far it really hasn't been uh, working for the NFL, the referees, you know, the whole league in general. Um, since week three on pass interference challenges, coaches are one for 21. And it's not including week 12 because there obviously were a couple in the previous games. But one for 21 since week three. And then overall in the season, four for 23. And those were on no calls. And then on challenges that they thought should have been, should not have been pass interference, they have been 0 for 10. So, David... You know, how would you like to expand on something that really hasn't been working for the NFL? Well, I mean, when it comes down to it, that's not really the only thing that's going wrong. You you take into account the other calls other than just pass interference. I mean, especially you look at the Packers-Lions game in the first uh, couple of weeks. Yep. You look at that game, you see, uh, you know, the mainly missed call was the... Holding. The holding on uh, uh, David Bakhtiari. The uh, left tackle, but you know, there's there's a lot more than just that. I could go on and on about how many missed calls or how many calls uh, that uh, are unnecessary or uh, the opposite of that of what actually should have been called. Yeah, and um, a lot of these calls have also been um, in the late stages of games. You know, teams either trying to make comebacks or trying to hold off a potential comeback. Um, a lot of the missed calls come in, uh, have been coming in later in the games, so that's why a lot of it's been um, under question and under fire from coaches and staff members of teams. Um, like you said, the Detroit-Green Bay game, um, a couple of very late calls um, 
that, you know, eventually led to uh, Green Bay coming back. And, um, right, Green Bay won that game. I believe they did, yes. I believe they did, yes. Um, again, there was another... Um, uh, it, just a lot of stuff that has been happening so far this season in the NFL that a lot of people aren't, you know, happy about and a lot of people have been questioning, you know, if you're not going to... If the refs aren't going to overturn calls, then what was the point of having the changes made in the offseason? Exactly. There's no point if you're going to just be the same... You're going to judge the play the same way you would the previous season. So then that really eliminates the purpose for the challenging. I mean, you just look at the 1-21 and on coaches' challenges since week three on pass interference. It shows that they're not... They're, the refs aren't willing to change. I mean, I don't think... Uh, they want to and probably should take some steps in the offseason to help change that. Now, like I said, that was not including uh, Week 12 because there was the Saints-Panthers game, a tight game until the end, 31-31. Panthers were uh, trying to go down the field with the in the final two minutes and score a touchdown. They made it within, I think they were at the 11 or 12-yard line uh, within the red zone. And... Um, there was there was third and goal, and they were they're were trying to score and there was a there was a slant pass. Um, there was possible holding um, or pass interference. You know it all depends on the quarterback. A lot of uh, complex rules, but there was a non call that Coach Ron Rivera for the Panthers thought should have been there, so he challenged it, and they actually they overturned it. They said there was pass interference, which gave the Panthers a new set of downs. Um, in the red zone, um, it ended up not mattering because um, the kicker Joe Sly missed the field goal, and the Saints came down the field and uh, hit the game-winning field goal. But you know, maybe that this is the start when they start saying, "Hey, if, you know, we gotta start making these calls, making the changes." Um, you know, or or else, you know, the cha- the rule change was for nothing. Yeah, I mean, also it could it could affect really the season of of a team because you know the Saints were looking good they were 8 and 2 coming into this week and if they lost that game they could have uh it could have really changed the their division I mean I mean it it they'd still probably be in first place based on their division but uh yep it could that loss could if they lost that could come back to haunt them and the refs again would be under fire for that mhm so um, staying on the topic of the NFL, uh, we touched on Colin Kaepernick last week. Um, so if you haven't heard our first podcast, make sure to go back, listen to episode one. Um, but Colin Kaepernick, after, um, look what we talked about, he got no calls from teams who attended the workout. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty big for, uh, the NFL and Colin Kaepernick in general, um, looking at, his personality, and in my opinion, it's a lot like why teams haven't signed Antonio Brown. Uh, he's easily one of the most talented wide receivers that's available in the NFL. He's uh, got good hands, he's got speed, he's quick, uh, good awareness, but it's the personality and what he does uh, not when he's not on the field um, that teams aren't signing him for, and I think that that's a lot of the same thing with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Dave, you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, Colin Kaepernick is kind of the same way. Like, you're right. Uh, 
you know, he, his personality, um, and he first started with, I know we kind of touched on this in the first episode, but the whole national anthem thing and the whole controversy of just about his personality, it's like nothing uh, specific, but just the way he is, you know, like Antonio Brown is the same way, uh, I mean, he has a little more uh, to, to him that is negative. Higher, higher talent higher, level. Yeah, he, he's more talented than Colin Kaepernick at his position, uh, at their respective positions. But I think uh, Kaepernick, uh, I mean, there were reports of the, Pan- the Carolina Panthers heavily interested. But, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I guess we're going to have to see in the coming week see what happens, see what teams contact him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, a, a lot of uh, lot of team, a lot of things could happen um, with the coming weeks and the seasons and stuff like that. But I definitely think that um, being outspoken, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing for an NFL player to, you know, speak his mind, but to the extent he does it to and all that stuff, I think that that's really playing a part in his signing. Um because there are really a lot of teams out there that could use either a quarterback or a backup quarterback, uh, or at least someone who's been in the league to help mentor younger guys. Yeah, uh, that veteran presence would really mean a lot, to, especially a young quarterback. Uh, especially going into the postseason. Especially, because he's been there. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's been in the playoffs. He knows what it, how it feels like yep. and what pressures are on the quarterback. And uh, it would really help a team that uh, really needs, like, a veteran presence with a young quarterback. Yeah, so going into our second topic of the day, um, college football. Uh, we, all, we talked about college football last week. A lot of big things happening, including the Tua injury. Uh, we talked about Jalen Hurts, uh, Heisman, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but this week we're going to be talking about um, – the Oregon upset, and then Alabama. Um, I know we talked about them, but I'm glad, Dave, you know, take it here. Because there's a lot of live action that could, you know, affect the uh, football playoffs. Definitely a lot of action, a lot of action. Uh, you know, I want to start off with the Arizona State upset. They beat number six ranked or- Oregon. Uh, you know, it was a great game. Uh, nail-biter to the finish. But uh, it was Arizona State it, who came out on top, you know. They, they were the better team that game. And uh, what it means for the Pac-12, I, I really am not quite sure. Because if either of those, if either U- Utah or Oregon wants to get into the top four college football playoff, uh, it'd have to be an upset in the Pac-12 championship game. Especially if Utah wants to make it. Uh, right now, it's not looking too good for them because they have an easy, easy last two games coming up for them, and uh, just because it it wouldn't show, especially if Oregon loses another game or if they don't do so good, it would show like if they beat Oregon in the Pac-12, then it would show that you know they're not really worthy of uh, of the uh, top four spot. But I mean, it also depends on. Uh, uh, you know Georgia, uh, Ohio State. If they if they lose, uh, you know anything could really happen. Yep. Uh, 
And then Alabama, they, like we mentioned in the earlier podcast, two is out for the season. Um, he was maybe projected to be the number one overall pick, possible Heisman Trophy winner. Um, but he's he's out, he's gone, so Mac Jones is the new starter. Um, and what do you think it is, David, that is going to help them move forward and into the playoffs? Because, like I said, this is a team that's, you know, projected to go very deep into the playoffs and now without, you know, possibly the top quarterback in college, college arena right now. Um, you know, what is it going to be like for them and having the limited amount of time that they do uh, developing new chemistry? You know, it's hard to f- figure out how it's going to be from now. Uh, but we're going to have to see what happens uh, in the Iron Bowl next week. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching that. Definitely. Uh, it's at Auburn, so home field advantage for them. Uh, Auburn's ranked number 15, and that upset would really help them. I mean, I mean, they still don't have a chance, but it would help them uh, if they want to get up more and destroy Alabama's chances of uh, making it into the college football playoff. Uh. I mean, it's hard to. It, it's also hard to tell uh, how good Alabama is. I mean, that's what I just said. But they've they've had these games where they play a bunch of teams that are like just low D one schools that have, you know, they do it for the money for the school. Yeah. Uh, so the school can get the money. But and, and not saying that um the teams are bad because obviously to be a D one school you're obviously gonna have some good players. So not everyone's a scrub, but they're definitely not at the same level no. as the Alabama offense and defense. Definitely not. Definitely um, not. So yeah, I mean it's gonna be it's definitely gonna be fun to watch. Um, you know, the college football playoffs and, you know, the last couple games before them. So, you know, be sure uh to tune in to those and um, you know, so you can just see what's going on. Yeah, we'll make sure to update you uh, next week on uh, what happens, probably after uh, College Football Sunday. Yep. Looking forward to that. So, moving on to the MLB fans, for our listeners, we're going to be talking about the MLB free agents. Um, Some big names are out there. A lot of uh, teams' names have been thrown around with certain guys. So, we're just going to talk about some of the bigger names and where we think they'll go. Um, and what they'll do uh, for their teams coming up in the uh, 2020 season. So, David, like I started off with possibly the biggest free agent out there, Garrett Cole. He had a great year with the Astros. He was uh, Cy Young runner-up with teammate Justin Verlander. Um, he had a minuscule ERA, plenty of uh, strikeouts, what, 320-something Crazy high. Very high, yeah. 326 strikeouts, um, a 2.5 ERA. He went 20-5 and five the the whole year. He, he also pitched very well in the playoffs. So this is a guy that's in high demand right now. He's definitely going to be asking for a lot of money. And, uh, Dave, where do you think that Garrett Cole is going to go? Uh, I mean, obviously, he declined his offer from Houston uh, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. But it they could bring the price up. They could do that uh, to fit his needs. But but uh, I don't think if the Astros want to if, if the Astros want to keep the team they have, I don't 
I, I don't think it's going to happen because with the money situation, it all depends on that and, like, you know, how it's uh, going to end up with just, you know, their cap space and how much uh, money they want to have to keep all their superstars on their team. Because, obviously, they they were a World Series uh, contender this year. And, you know, I don't, I don't think it'll be uh, – uh, especially if Garrett Cole leaves, goes to another team that has a little more space uh, for him, especially money-wise. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be uh, the same uh, as it was this year. Yeah, so I definitely think, uh, this is my opinion, I don't know how you feel, how you as the listeners feel. Um, I think that Garrett Cole, my prediction, he's going to the Angels. Um, they have Mike Trout, obviously, the greatest player, like we said uh, earlier in our in our previous podcast, greatest player of the generation. Um, he is a five-tool, whatever you want to call him. He's a stud, and I think that if they want to see him in the playoffs, because he's only been to one playoff game in his career, they want to see the greatest player in the playoffs. They're going to need pitching, and it starts with using some of their cap space to get a guy like Garrett Cole. He'll bolster the starting rotation. He'll be you know, the kind of guy that hitters are afraid of. And I think that he'll definitely improve uh, Los Angeles Angels team that needs help. Definitely. Uh, he'll probably have the same effect, you know, as he did on Houston. Uh, even if he's their only, you know, whatever you call it, great pitcher, uh, uh, especially with the new, the new, all the moves they're making this offseason, uh, you know, the signing of Joe Madden, uh, they still have Mike Trout, the best player uh, in the generation, at least. Uh, you know, maybe if they can get, uh, you know, a little uh, better players in their bullpen, uh, uh, you know, they could go pretty far. I mean, I think, you know, Joe Madden, he has experience. I, I kind of touched on that last episode. But, yep. you know, he it's just uh, Garrett Cole would really be a very much improving factor there to their team. Uh, yes, another uh, big free agent. This is another guy who people are considering to be, you know, the top out there. Another starting pitcher, Steven Strasburg, for the Washington Nationals. He won World Series MVP. Um, he pitched very well this season. He had um, a 18 and six record with a 1.04 WHIP and a 3.32 ERA, um, and. He had two. He also had two hundred fifty one strikeouts. So this is another great pitcher, uh, on the market. So Dave, where do you think that Strasburg will be going this off season? You know that's a tough, uh, that's a tough question because he's definitely, in my opinion, not staying with uh, the Nationals. I can agree that's, with that. I can agree with that. That's like a given fact. That's not gonna happen. Uh, I mean. You know, it really could be anywhere right now. I mean, obviously, you rule out some of the uh, some of the teams, you know, like Houston, like all those teams. But, you know, a team that's in need of a great pitcher like Steven Strasburg, uh, uh, you know, you think of... They're definitely going to want to go yeah, after they're him. They're definitely going to want to get him. But, I mean, thinking about... Um, I think the Yankees are definitely going to look at him. They have money, and they're. I think that part of the reason they couldn't you know, get, go to the World Series this year was because of the starting pitching. Not saying it was bad, 
But, I mean, it just wasn't – it never really had um, a bona fide ace. It never really had a guy who's going to go up there and give them, a like, a really solid chance to win. They had some good people, Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton. They had good guys, good starting pitchers, but they never really had um, a, a ace out there. Yeah, they never had, you know, that that one pitcher that could just – shut down a team. Yep. Uh, that's like what that's what he does for the Nationals. Uh, plus you add Max Scherzer. You know, they had two great pitchers on that Patrick team. Patrick Corbin so. too. Yeah, and Corbin. Uh, so it's really uh he'd be what they what the Yankees need if they want to actually uh you know, make it to a World Series. I think I think it could be possible this year. Uh you know, uh yeah, he's just what they need. Uh uh, I also want to touch on, he was seen, uh, like, uh, a few days ago at a Los Angeles Clippers game, uh, which oh. could mean, I don't know, it it could mean any, everything or it could be nothing. Yep. So, it it could mean, I mean maybe he's making a move to the Angels. The, a- like, the Angels, definitely, if they're not going to get Garrett Cole, I think they're definitely going to look at Strasburg. He'd be a great pitcher to add, uh. Or it could be going to the Dodgers. Dodgers too. He'd um, be a great uh, addition. They are. They could lose uh, Heejin Ryu, who has been, um, who was really good, um, all year for the Dodgers. So they could lose him to free agency, who we'll touch on. But um, they could they could lose him. So definitely, um, Strasburg could be a good addition for them. But like you said, David, um, it could be everything or it could be nothing. Um, Maybe he's just a fan of the Clippers, you know. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Just, you know, chill with his friends at a Clippers <laughs> game. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, yeah, it could be uh, he might make the move to Los Angeles, one of those teams. Yep. We'll just have to wait and see. Another big free agent this offseason. Also from the Nationals, Anthony Rendon. What a, I mean, what a, I, it's indescribable what he did for them. Um, he had a, an over 300 batting average, um, plenty of homers, plenty of RBIs. Um, he uh, played great in the playoffs and the World Series, um, and now he's a free agent. So uh, I think he's yeah. going to be looked at by a lot of teams. Let's see, he had 34 homers, a 319 batting average, 126 RBIs. He had a great year. It's a great contract year for him, definitely. And whether the... Uh, whether the Washington Nationals keep him or not is, again, still up in the air. But I think that my opinion here is that the Nationals aren't going to get both Strasburg and Rendon. It's, it, they're not keeping them. They're no. both going to ask for too much money. No. So, I mean, I think that they have – if they want to stay at the level they're at, they need to keep at least one. And I think for them it should be Rendon. I think that they should take the money that they were using on Strasburg and – Use it for Rendon because he's definitely a cornerstone for the franchise going forward. They also have Juan Soto, Michael A. Taylor, Victor Robles, uh, Trey Turner, um, and Howie Kendrick was also great in the playoffs. But so they have a a solid core, and I think he'll bolster the uh, the hot corner for them. And I think that they're going to want to keep him. But David, do do you agree here? Do you think he'll go somewhere else? Uh, I think he could be a target. For other teams like the Yankees, uh, yes, uh, I know we touched on them. He could be, uh, he could be a target for the Yankees. Uh, 
he would just yeah he he's what they need again uh another great player i'm gonna say my uh, famous quote it's all in the stats <laughs> yes i mean if you look at it i mean it really is well this time it really is uh you know he just he's just a great uh player and especially if the yankees are uh gonna lose some of their good players such as you know dd gregorius uh yep you know all those guys he could be a great great addition yeah, the Yankees are definitely uh, going to make it at least one big free agent signing this offseason. You know, they've been known to you know have the money. They they do, big city New York. Um, <laughs> they um, and they they need they need something because they haven't made a World Series in ten years, which I know a lot of teams haven't um, made the World Series in ten years. But I mean, the Yankees are known for being a World Series contender almost every year. So yeah, they've been so close. Uh, they've made it to the ALCS a number of times in the past 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time until they make it to the World Series. Another big free agent, uh, another starting pitcher, Zach Wheeler um, on the New York Mets. He had a 11-8 record with a 3.96 ERA, 195 strikeouts. Um, another solid year for um, a power pitcher. He'll um, attack you with a, fa- a good fastball. Uh, played with NL back-to-back uh, Cy Young winner Jacob DeGrom. We touched on him in the previous podcast. Um, Dave, how about Zach Wheeler? Where do you think that – what team do you think that – we'll take a good look at him. Uh, well, I think uh, a team that could be a good spot for him is the uh, Chicago White Sox. Uh, according to uh, a big Mets uh, local website uh, – news station radio station uh they're saying the the highest bidder right now would be the chicago white Sox, Mm -hmm. and he's definitely he's not going to uh he's definitely going to improve their team i don't think he'll he'll be like you know the deciding factor if if they get into the playoffs or not i mean they still need to make a couple more big signings if they want to they want that to happen but you know, he could definitely be a great addition to their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I obviously could see it happening. And I think for the White Sox, they're definitely a team that needs more than one move out there. Um, they can't just have one guy and say, all right, we're, you know, a playoff contender. So I think if they're going to get Zach Wheeler, they're going to have to get another guy um, to help him out, either a starting pitcher um, or, you know, a, di- a, a different player. They The uh, possibility of... Rendon, he could have all, he could also go there, but I think that if they're gonna spend their money on another big big guy, either Cole Strasburg, uh, Rendon, they've been involved in all those talks. Then they're not gonna want to spend big money on another big name. So if they can get Zach Wheeler for a low, little bit of a lower price, he's still a good pitcher and he definitely can help the team. But like you said, David, he's not. I don't think he's gonna be the deciding factor. No, definitely not. No. Um, another big free agent name, uh, Madison Bumgarner, a little bit of an older guy. Um, he for the San Francisco Giants. Um, uh, yeah, he he uh, turned down uh, the first offer. Uh, obviously, is what mo- what most players do. Yep. But you know he's thirty years old, and he he I mean he is a veteran. He has playoff experience. He's won. World Series, he's uh, four-time All-Star. Four-time All-Star, you know he's uh, he's a good player, 
He had a um, 9-9 record this season with a 3.9 ERA, 203 strikeouts. Um, honestly, he's another, like we, like we said, he's another solid player, solid pitcher um, who can, you know, help a team, especially in the locker room, or if they want to make a playoff push um, yeah. with that experience that he has. And even though he's a little bit older, he's still, um, he's still a good pitcher out there. And I think even though he may not be um, an ace for a team, he definitely could be a second and third pitcher who can, you know, give you confidence when you go out and um, when he's pitching that day to help your team be the win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's also touching on, you know, if if he's going to go anywhere, uh, it's I think it's too early to tell. Yes, uh, definitely. You know, it's only what's so far into the off season that it's right now it's too early to you know, decide or, like, make any bold uh, decisions or opinions right now. Yeah, uh, this is just an early look, early look. Yeah. Um, and then we won't keep you on this topic for too long. Um, a couple of guys I'd just like to touch on real quick. Josh Donaldson, uh, Marcelo Zuna, Nick, Nicholas Castellanos, and Didi Gregorius, all big names out there. Um, Donaldson is a third baseman, previously played for the Braves, um, really good year after, you know, being a little bit off the previous season. Um, and yeah. I think it was definitely a contract year for him. And I think a lot of teams are going to want to go after him. Definitely Donaldson. And, you know, you talked about Castellanos. I think uh, coming from a Cubs fan, uh, I think that the Cubs are going to want to keep him because just how good he did uh, coming from Detroit with, you know, uh, uh, you know, they have the far back walls in Detroit, but... It was good for the Cubs. You know, the Cubs have uh, those really, uh, 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 you know, slightly closer, but it's still, it still was a big advantage for him. Yep. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's also kind of veteran. He's 28. Uh, yeah. He's been in the league. He's been in the league. He's been in the league. Along uh, with Marcelo Zuna, another outfielder yep, yep. on the free agent market. A um, couple of teams are looking for him for outfield depth. Yeah. Um. You know, and like we said, this is it's really too early to get a good look at where guys are going. Um, you know, multiple teams can make a push for different guys at different times. Um, another guy, Didi Gregorius, uh, Cincinnati Reds have looked into him um, to help out the shortstop position. And he's another veteran, like we talked about, who can help a team in the locker room and on the field. Definitely. Know? Like, he's not just, like, uh, one of those guys that will just – improve like you know the locker room he's also a great player he's 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 a two-way player he can play defense offense all that stuff uh 61 rbis uh i mean he did have uh you know that injury but yep still uh definitely gonna people are definitely gonna take a look at him yeah definitely he's a he'd be a good player to have on to the nhl uh first time we'll be talking about the nhl on the podcast so a few hockey fans out there, here you go, NHL. Um, early rankings and how the teams are doing. And then maybe we'll look into um, a playoff picture. Um, right now, the Boston Bruins look like a really solid team. Tuka Rask is playing really good in goal. Um, and the offense with David Pasnick, Brad Marchand, and Patrice Bergeron has been really good. Um, along with the Avalanche, Colorado Avalanche, they've been really good. And then the Edmonton Oilers look like a great offensive powerhouse with McDavid having another career year. Um, and Leon Dreisaitl, um, 
he's been great along with McDavid. Yeah, that that duo is uh like you said have been just great for the Oilers. Uh, the powerhouse so far has been definitely been them. Uh, you know, they're uh, you know they have a a couple of teams uh close by them in the in their division. You know, Arizona, Vancouver. Yep. Uh, Vegas can make a push. Uh, but uh, like you said, you know they're the powerhouse so far, and uh, if they keep it up, it'll definitely be uh, big for them and the team. Yep, some other uh, good teams: Washington Capitals. Um, a lot they won the Stanley Cup two years ago, um, and a lot, uh, Jacob Verano is taking a big step forward. Um, Alex Ovechkin doing what he does, and. Um, you know, they're playing as a good team. And then St. Louis Blues, um, they won last year. They've been solid as uh, they were. Um, yeah, pretty solid. And then I think a team that's a little bit going unnoticed is the Florida Panthers um, with Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Uberdo. Um, that top-line duo has been um, tough for teams to defend and um, really good for a Florida Panthers team who – Made some uh, trades this offseason. They also acquired Sergei uh, Bobrovsky, um, really good goalie. Um, yeah, great goalie. Helped the team down the stretch. Um, so they're a team that uh, definitely is up there, uh, maybe going a little bit unnoticed. Um, any, other th- any other teams you want to talk about, David? Um, I mean, we touched on all of the, you know. Big powerhouses. Big powerhouses that could, uh, you know, uh, be really a. Uh, uh, affect the playoffs, you know. Uh, Stuff like that. Islanders having a yep. uh, another solid year. Comeback. Yeah, solid year, you know, to Barry what Tr- they were a uh, couple years ago. Barry Trotz, I mean, coming in from last year, last year the Islanders were looking like a team that, you know, was going to finish last and hopefully get a good um, draft pick. Barry Trotz came in, and he turned them around, and they were a playoff contender all season. And then... Um, so they've been, and then he's just done exactly what he he wanted to do, and he's kept it going throughout this season, and they've been really good too. Um, uh, some teams that have dropped off. Some teams that have dropped off are the Tampa Bay Lightning. Last year they were a really good team, um, and they haven't been as dominant as they've been. They've been previous years. Another team, the Buffalo Sabers. Um, they started off the year hot, and they've slowly dropped off. Um, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, another powerhouse team, got a lot of good players, but um, Mitch Marner went down, and they've kind of gone downhill. They did fire uh, their coach, Mike Babcock, so they've been going with the assistant coach now. Um, so those are just some uh, rankings right now. Uh, Dave, you want to talk about anything else? I mean, no, not really. It's It's early in the season. Not too many uh, big headlines, as you said, the firing of uh, Babcock. Uh, you know, that's pretty much it. Yep. Um, we'll definitely talk about the NHL and podcasts to come. Definitely, for our NHL fans out there. Yeah. Um, for our fifth talking point of the episode, NCAA basketball, um, a lot of big matchups. Yeah, um, uh, a lot of big tournaments going on right now. Uh, 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 I also want to touch on uh, uh, the Duke game. Yes. Uh, a couple uh, days ago. So so the Duke game was 
uh, really close uh, for most of the game. And then, uh, you know, late game, it really came down to it. And uh, uh, the Georgetown's coach, uh, former uh, New York uh, Nick and uh, Hall of Famer Patrick Ewing uh, ended up getting uh, a technical, you know, for his, uh, you know, little... Uh, I'm I'm sure you, uh, if you saw it, you would know you would uh, know yep. what I'm talking about. Uh, all of our listeners out there probably saw it, saw it too. Uh, but uh, you know all the tournaments right now. It's also really early in the season, like a lot of other, uh, you know, like a lot of other sports right now. Uh, yep. But uh, you know. The, the rankings right now really don't matter. I mean, you see some teams that aren't usually in there. You mean Utah State. Uh, yeah. They're usually never uh, in any ranking. Uh, but I know their football team is usually pretty good. But uh, their basketball team has never been known for uh, – well, not that I know of. Uh, uh, in the recent past of being good. Never been really good, yeah. No. I mean – And like we yeah. said, in a lot of other sports, it's really um, – it's a little bit too early um, to get a really good look at what's going on. Like you said, um, the Duke. Duke, yep. Yep, and, uh, you know, Utah State, they're ranked 15th right now. Uh, you know, still uh, a contender. Uh, but, uh, you know, you see uh, the usuals, you know, Villanova still up there, Kentucky, uh well, after that loss to, uh, after that loss to Evansville, uh, Indiana team, uh, you see Maryland up there, who uh, another big Big Ten team, uh, uh, Texas, uh, uh, with their coach Saka Smart, uh, you know they had that big win against Purdue, who was ranked at the time, uh, really uh, got them up there. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward as a Purdue fan, uh, just uh, this uh, Virginia uh, matchup and the VCU matchup, which is uh, in the coming week. Yeah, a lot of uh, big games coming up in uh, NCAA basketball. Uh, Be sure to listen to those. And um, yeah, make sure to tune in. um, Going into another talking point that we'd like to discuss, and we'll make this one quick. Um, Bryony James and Sierra Canyon have, are having more televised games than a lot of NBA teams. And uh, if you don't know, Bryony James, uh, son of LeBron James, he's a high school basketball player. He's pretty good, but I mean... Pretty good. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a freshman, and what he's doing right now is incredible. I mean, and he's playing with uh, Zaire Wade. Zaire Wade, the son of... Uh, Dwayne Wade. There are some other really good players on that some, basketball some team. Some great prospects, uh, top 10 in the country. Yeah. Uh, top 10 recruits uh, right now, uh, like some of their seniors, you know. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much depth. Yeah. But, but, you know, just saying, like, there's been a lot of uh, controversy on NBA teams. Like, they've been, uh, they've, uh, they've spoken their opinions on how they yep. feel about the, about the, uh, you know, the number of airings that they have. They have 15 games on ESPN. Uh, that's not, that's just, uh, that's not like, you know, ESPN U, ESPN 2. That's like the main channel yeah. that everyone has. Yep. So it, it really, uh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a big, uh, 
move for them. Yep. And um, going into it, I think that my my opinion here is that I, I'm with the NBA players and the fact that they should be upset about this because this is the high school basketball team. No matter yep. the prospects or whoever's on it, because there could be some, I mean, unbelievable players, and there are, but, I mean, NBA has taken a drop-off in the competition levels and uh, the teams in general. And yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that's part of the reason that there needs to be more um, more competition, more stuff like that. But I think that's part of the reason that a high, this high school basketball team is getting more ESPN uh, uh, games than NBA teams. And I think that NBA players should be upset about that. Yeah, definitely. They should. Uh, they should try to. Uh, you know, it's not. You know, really their fault, but. Uh, Usually, I mean, you see, it's the teams that uh, aren't aren't uh, too too good. I mean, uh, you you look at uh, the teams uh, that do get televised a lot. Uh, obviously, know, the Lakers. Obviously, the Lakers. You know, you know the main teams. Uh, teams that people enjoy watching. People enjoy watching the fun teams to watch. You know. And not saying that um, you know teams are not enjoyable to watch because we don't really want to offend. You know. Fans of eight teams here, but uh, like we said, the competition level hasn't been, um, you know, the same as good as it was, and I think that's part of the reason that um, Sierra Canyon's been getting uh, more ESPN uh, games. Yeah, that's probably the reason why ESPN uh, allowed the contract to happen with them. Yep. It's just because all the, yeah. And then going into. Well, most likely will be the final talking point of uh, our podcast here, local sports. Um, starting it off, the Grand Island varsity volleyball team, first state championship in any sport in school history. Um, they went undefeated the whole year. Um, like I said, one states. Um, and they were led by Billy Weberg, outside hitter. Um, he's playing on the national team. He's really good. He's only junior, too. So that's gonna it's gonna be good to see him as a senior. Um, he was the MVP of the tournament, and I think he's definitely should be in contention for New York State Player of the Year. Um, oh, definitely, definitely. He's dominating out there. He's um, he's a hardworking kid. He um, likes he likes volleyball a lot, and um, he's he's a good player. Uh, so it's good for um, Grand Island being a small school, and you know Wayne State's. You know, that's pretty big for them. Uh, you know, it really boosts, uh, you know, the, everyone's spirits to see that happen. And uh, uh, I know there's, like, a huge uh, celebration and stuff. Yeah. That see, was, that was to see cool. a small community like that come together for something that big is pretty cool. Yeah, pr- really cool. Um, the combination of Zach Kramer to Billy Weberg. Um, Zach is, Kramer, as I said, they also played for the national team uh, with Billy. They, they have a great connection, and it's... Um, it's really cool to watch. So, um, if any of you local listeners are in the area um, of either Buffalo or New York State, be sure to um, feed the beast. <laughs> yeah, that is that is what they would say when Billy would get a hit, something like that. He he's he really is a big man. He's a dominating force on the volleyball court, and Great he player. definitely should be in contention for New York State Player of the Year. Um, Dave, anything else? Uh, you know, last topic. Uh. I'm just gonna touch on this. Uh, I didn't want this to go unnoticed. Uh, even though I'm not a big uh, Canisius fan, 
but Canisius football uh, winning the the uh, the state championship. Yep. Uh, at least for you know those type of schools, but the, it was a you know a nail biter to the end. Uh, Definitely. It was uh, you know they scored a touchdown with no time left, and ended up uh, the running back ended up uh, elevating himself into the end zone for the two point conversion to win the game, and uh, you know that was really a, a good moment right there. Yep. Um, definitely, it's not gonna, it's not the biggest thing, but just, just wanted to touch on it, being, uh, getting into lo- more local sports. Yeah, you know, just, uh, you know, it doesn't, you don't really want that to go unnoticed, especially, uh, you know, for all those local listeners out there. Uh, so I think that's it for the podcast, unless David, you have anything to add? Nope. All right, so, um... Thank you for listening. Like I said earlier, be sure to subscribe, follow us, whatever you got to do. Just make sure you're up to date. And um, we'll definitely be making another podcast soon. Hope you guys are enjoying it so far. And um, we are going to be bringing in some uh, guests, some guest speakers, um, stuff like that, you know, different things. Yeah, it should so be pretty fun. Be sure to be tuned in and uh, we'll see you next time on After the Buzzer.